Hi, this is Ron Thurston from the Retail in America Tour, coming to you from Etail West in Palm Springs. And I'm here with Aaron Sanandres, the CEO and co-founder of Untuck It. So hi, Aaron. Hi, Ron. Thanks hi, for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. So we're here in beautiful Palm Springs, but most importantly, we're here to talk about retail. And you have had um, this incredible growth in stores. And I think one of the most um, interesting things about Untuck It is your real focus on stores and not going, not going to wholesale, really keeping it in-house. And you've had expansive growth. And I would just love to hear more about why stores are so important to you and Untuck It. Uh, a great question. Uh, I think stores, and I don't feel like I'm going out on the limb when I say this, that like stores are going to have to be a core component for any modern kind of retail, yeah. however you want to call it, omni-channel retail, whatever. The reason why we went into stores is very simple. Our customer wanted us there. We have a fairly large demographic, 25 to 65 is kind of like our core, or okay. pretty wide core. And so within that, there's enough guys. I was one of them who wanted to touch his feet. So we yeah. went into stores for, if you think about the DSC playbook, if there, there is such a thing, Usually stores come at a time where CAC is just getting a bit too high and so people yeah. want to pull it down and so they open stores. And it's a way to kind of keep the party going and get the community to grow without, um, I guess, recognizing just how much you're spending on them. Yeah. Um, and so so we started stores what, in like our third year, full year out. Um, and so for us, the core was get the store open, get to touch the customer in a way that an e-com company really had. So Chris, when we opened our first store in, in Soho, Chris sat in as a greeter for months, right? Just wow. worked in the front, listened to how the customer interacted, looking, listened to how the customers interacted with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's when we kind of really saw the potential for what Untuck it could be. Because I saw the same thing, by the way, when we opened uh, the store in Chicago, we were in Chicago at the time, shortly thereafter, which was the span of guy that walked through those like doors that were all talking about one thing was generally was sports right at the time. Yeah. Interacting. You had a guy from Brooklyn in Beanie, you know, talking to a guy in the seventies who's wife and grandchildren. And it was just this microcosm of our customer that had come together in our store. That's when Chris and I were both like this is this is a phenomenal opportunity, not just for stores, yeah. because you just don't get that interaction, right? We serve, <clears throat> it sounds so childish to bring this up, but we serve bourbon in our store, mm -hmm. uh, most of our stores, right? So mm -hmm. we're allowed to, we're kind of like the finality rule. Um, but it really does like change the dynamic of the store. I mean, yeah. the first store that I went into was Burke Brothers, where they offered me a beer <laughs> and it just blew my mind. Like a beer at work? Um, and so we tried to do something similar with that with, with the bourbon and it just really goes over well, yeah. obviously during the pandemic, that pull a lot of that back. Sure. And then we're kind of coming out of the dark. Yeah. And because it makes it feel like home in the, the best version of, of retail stores feels comfortable and it feels easy and it should feel like home and it should feel like you're coming to, to hang out with your friends. And by the way, I'm going to get a cool you know, wardrobe update. Or, and I agree, or you're a guy who's transactional, wants to walk in, find a shirt, make yeah. a shirt, walk out. Yeah. And there, there's guys like that as well that come into the store. So that's exactly the way we crafted our store. 
So if any, if any, if you haven't been into a Nantucket store, the way we set it up is we have all, we have a try on shirt model. Mm-hmm. We have not inventory on the floor. We have samples of all the shirts on the floor. Mm-hmm. The thought is you go in, if you never shop at the brand, you get fit, you're a medium slim. And then from there, you just pick the shirt you like that's out on the floor and we carry the inventory in the back. Yeah. It is super efficient than leaving it to the customer to go take three or four shirts in. Our store associates are, they're like carnies when it comes to like sizing people up. So, yeah. you know, on 75, 10, like I'm going to put you in a medium yeah. split. And they're great. So getting the shirt on the customer, the right fit the first time yeah. has a massive correlation to a higher success rate. So unbelievable. So store associates are great. And, and yeah, the goal is to get people in, in the prop shop super efficiently. But for those who want to linger or chit chat or, talk about the game like they have yeah. the channel. Yeah. And how do you, in, in the kind of the, the world of trying to find the best talent in stores, you know, do you talk about, you know, some of the best retailers are talking about culture and training and development and careers. How's, how does that conversation play into finding great people at Untucket? So there's finding the cultivating is retained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think finding is generally difficult. It's a crapshoot. I think it's a crapshoot across any industry. The interview process is very easy once you know what people want to hear yeah. to like to get through. But I think where where we've done a good job is training. We've got a very formal and informal training program in terms of basic sales techniques, right? Okay. That can benefit any store associate, whether they work for us for ten years or, or they go off and join Medtronic's medical sales practice. How to engage, how to re-engage, mm-hmm. how to, you know, close a sale tactfully, right? We don't, we don't pay store commissions. So everything done, have your collective perspective in mind, okay. but training is one, okay. right? And then competency, yeah. you have to retain your top talent. And so what we did this year, we just finished our annual review process and it was taking what was fair tight bonus ranges. And, and that's just, you know, if somebody's bonus is. 10% of their pay, there's only so much of variability between like a, somebody who might be at a meets or whatever the equivalent ranking is, sure. exceptional. Sure. There's only so much differentiation to do. So this year, what we tried to do is to kind of juice that up, not hmm. try to much more away from the threes, but finding more for the, and so sure. that just having gone through it, I can tell you people like to feel seen yeah. right and they want to feel like hey no one there's always a challenge everyone will probably feel underpaid that's something i did 95 percent this year at least the way we, the conversations went the way we framed them people that were ones or twos they felt heard yeah they both seen they felt recognized yeah fair yeah right that was the word that kept coming out like generous fair like these are i don't need to be paying people overly generously. I don't think that's helpful for an organization. Yeah. I think paying people fair is, is helpful. Yeah. So we're big meritocracy okay. it translates to store managers. We have some store managers that are just phenomenal, like, and they've been with us for, for four five, six years. Yeah. Right. We need to keep those. Right. Right. And that conversation you had mentioned earlier, like the path to profitability has been critical for your business. And so Store payroll, anyone that works in stores knows store payroll is a big conversation when you talk about profitability. So how does... So you're right. Although I will say two things. One, profitability on our came mostly from marketing. Mm. 
And so, and not on, on a personnel perspective, just reducing marketing aggregate spend. But you're right, store store profitability hinges on on your your pay. It does. And so, so what we were able to do during the pandemic here, we might have been averaging 240 hours store associate hours a week, going up to like 320 in some yeah. of our better stores for certain weeks throughout the year. We we're able to par that in half, if not less. And so, what we found is that there was just a lot of stuff and a lot of staff mm. hours that weren't needed. Now, we did it in a way, fortunately, that wasn't jarring because the pandemic shut stores down and just gave us an ability to rebuild yeah. the staffing hour model as yeah. opposed to going from zero to 270 and trying to cut it back in there. Yeah. Um, so, it's really difficult without talk about culture, right? Changing hours is, is sacrosanct. Yeah. So you want to be giving more, you don't want to be giving less. Right, right. And it's how do you then incorporate training and development so that if there is less, then they're doing the same same or even more. Because then, you know, the interesting thing I think about retail teams is that their skill sets are so wide. You know, you're doing visuals this hour and then I'm helping a customer and then I'm doing a training seminar and then I have a loss prevention and then shipments coming in the back door. Like their skill set's so wide. And when you when you have fewer people on the floor, you know, what they have to do just gets bigger. Um, and so training plays into such a big part of that. You hit, I mean, that the number one friction right now, I think, with our the retail staff is the amount of responsibility and administrative yeah. Yeah. things that need to be done, uploading photos to get sign off on, on, you know, visual. There's just a lot of processes. And so we we're focusing a lot this year on right. things that we can take off of their plates that aren't necessarily needed all the time. Good. So Good. It's, it's funny. That's, yeah. That's, 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 <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> and I guess since we're here at Etail, and a lot of this conference is about e-commerce and about marketing and about customer behavior, is there anything you want to share about just your customer journey? Like maybe they, they start in a store, they maybe come back to the store, they go online, where's their spend so, coming from? So we've got a, as diverse a journey as a customer. So so if I think about, I want to generalize, I'll, I'll talk about customers who start in stores, right? Whose first interaction with the brand or at least yeah. first purchase occurs at a store and then customers who start online. So customers who start online, I'll start there, are pretty mem. So what we find is we can, if we want, not through hypnotic tricks, but we can get customers who buy online to go into stores driving, whether it's a promotion or whether it's a scarcity that's pulling in a sure. store or whether it's an event. Sure. We can get people online in the store. Okay. What we find is the reverse, which should be so much is exponentially more difficult. Getting a store shopper to buy online. Yeah. And it's funny. Why do we want to do this? Why are we pushing? To be honest, I don't really know but what i well i do know because we're we all well we know the stats right that'll show that an omni channel shopper an omni channel repeat so someone whose first order was in one channel second order was in another channel yeah has a 50 percent higher ltv than a similar repeat single channel shop mm-hmm. so it just makes sense we, we know retailers are great returns higher reviews all these great kind of stats with associated that um so we do want to push Push might be the wrong word. We want to guide the journey mm-hmm. to to go cross channel. Mm-hmm. It's just not that easy. And especially, look, there's so many challenges that brands face this year. 
this this year now more than any <laughs> is share of voice. Yeah, we have such a function of the share of voice that we used to have, and some of it's our fault. I think we probably email. I say we like as an industry. Yeah, we through great platforms yeah. like Wonderkind and and Yahoo and Attentive and all these great platforms that help you communicate with your customer just quadruple sometimes got up by tenfold the number of touch points yeah that's one brand one customer one customer 10 brands instead of brands they interact with right they're getting so many more emails so everything has gotten much harder crm has gotten harder. Yeah. digital marketing has gotten harder and and yet the expectations of turning profitable only got higher right there's no expectation that you'll run non-profitable to scale and then swing into profitability because you'll pull your marketing back. Right. That used to be the premise, but nobody's accepting that mm. like as a as an investment. Mm. They want to see a real path to profitability. And when right. all these things happen, personalization, now more than ever, it's the hardest it's ever been. Um, even though the technology is probably the most sophisticated. Yeah. Um, it just makes it makes this industry so challenging. Yeah. And it's tapping into human behavior that is also changing. I think that's so interesting. You come to a conference like this and all these vendors and all of this technology, yet we're still human and we still like want a great shirt that fits and we don't want it to be too hard. And so I think there's there's just a lot, right, there's a lot of noise that share a voice. Well, also, I mean, they're changing from that respect, um, Rob, but also changing from the fact that think about 2021, this time last year, we were just coming out of coronavirus. so. Sales were pretty flat. By March, we had this big pent up demand. And then July, things fell off. Like that is a yeah. turbulent 2020. Yeah, that was 2022. Sorry. Yeah. Turbulent 2022. Yeah. So when you talk about predicting in comps and where it should be, there's so many things that are impacting these cohorts. Yeah. And, and cutting through it and making decisions that are informed and open to the right decisions. Just as I said, it's a real challenge. Yeah. Not which is kind of where we pushed back then into stores. Because the same, I, I come in, I have this incredibly memorable experience with one of your great people in stores. That customer acquisition cost potentially costs zero. He was just in the mall and I kind of walked in, had this experience, maybe felt differently about his clothes. And then all of a sudden you've gained this great experience. That's, that's really priceless. So I would say, yes, we, we put market, we put the rent as a marketing expense for stores. Sure. Think about. But you're absolutely right. Like a store is profitable. Yeah. Right. Store generally are. If you're, if you're main, if running a store yeah. in the last seven years, right, you've been running, it's been profitable. If you've been running an omni-channel D to C that's profitable, most likely in the last five years, it's been because of the stores, you know, maybe things are different now and, and different channels are profitable on their own, but stores have, have just been when I say profitable, for while profitable, no sure. allocation of marketing dollars yep. to it, it's very difficult to do that. But stores just are, right? There's yeah. a pretty basic ambient yeah. traffic flow that you can just pick up. Right. Quarter percent capture rate just to the curious people. Yeah. But that what I love that conversation on share of voice because that share of voice feels more attainable in a store. In, in, in my opinion, you know, just like, you walk out and you're like, I just had the most incredible experience. I know how my shirt should fit. And you know, that idea of, of how that builds a business 
is just, it, it's so emotional and so personal and that an email I, can't do. And how you yeah. communicate with those people, right? Yeah. So then into kind of clienteling world and yeah. having stories. You talk about memorable experience, typically because they're a store associate, that's what makes it memorable. Yeah. And then you've got the store associate reaching out to to the individual yeah. through text or through whatever. Like that's the number of uh, engaged store customers that respond to those. It's a multiple wow. of standard uh, response rate. Wow. Just wow. the average, average customer. Amazing. Anything in particular you're most excited about this year? It's on March, March 1st, 2023. The second you want to get excited, there's a doubt <laughs> and reasons why one shouldn't. Um, for us, I think we're excited because we got through the pandemic, right? Stores, sure. as much as I love stores, were an anchor tied to our neck. We had very little traffic going through for a long time, and we had a lot of rent to pay. So stores in that environment become very difficult. But happy that we're we're well past that now, right? We're not necessarily back to 2019. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we ever mm -hmm. necessarily need to get back to 2019. Mm -hmm. There's been this permanent shift between retail and online, and mm -hmm. we'll see where the dust settles over the next 12 months. Like, we haven't had a regular non-COVID year yet. Either. Right. It's supposed to be this year. You got so many other issues. Things are weird for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I'm excited about is one on top of this is highly profitable. Right. It will be even more profitable next year. And the reason I'm excited, that means that we're just getting better at the marketing story. We're getting better at measuring. We're just getting more prescriptive around where our marketing dollars are going. Right. right. We're realizing that a lot of our marketing dollars actually get existing customers back into the funnel. And not just new customers. So that is an ad. We used to be very Great. like clinical about it. Any marketing expense, if it was TV, it was 100% prospecting. So we look very within the world of okay. customers. Um, now we're realizing that it has a much larger impact on the larger conversion. Kind of. Wow. That's exci it's exciting. So, like it's yeah, exciting. No, it's exciting. As challenging I mean, as to, it is, it's to, people excited. Yeah, but to share that kind of level of profitability and success, given all the challenges, congratulations! Thank like you. that's Thank really you. yeah. It feels like it, it that feels it's not, not there's not a lot of that story happening. So it's always good to feel the good news. You know, there about will be that. more. I think there'll be more because I think I think like investors are done with losses. Yep. Whatever the new water level is for those companies, like yeah. It may be significantly lower from a sales perspective, but from a profitability and ongoing. Yeah. Prop That's amazing. And you're on the stage a couple of times this week. So good luck with Thank that. You. Yes. Yeah. To share that. Appreciate yeah. That. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everyone. This is Ron Thurston from the Retail in America tour, and we will see you on the road. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.